Welcome to a special mini episode of Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I am your host, Anthony Desiato, and joining me is returning guest, Mike San Gregorio. Welcome. Hi. Thanks again for having me. Oh, my pleasure. So you and I, we're going to do a full episode of Digging for Kryptonite about the series premiere of the forthcoming CW television series, Superman and Lois. And that episode will come out March 3rd, right? So just about a week or so after the actual episode airs on television. But I thought it would be fun if we did just like this little mini episode before the television series airs, because at this point, you know, there've been a lot of photos and promos and information released. And so we've had a little bit to kind of process and get a feel for what the show is going to be like. And I thought it might be interesting just to talk about what our expectations, hopes, misgivings <laughs> might be like, like, what is your mindset? Uh, here we are, you know, a couple of weeks before the episode actually airs. Like, what are you kind of thinking and feeling about this, this forthcoming Superman show? This was not a show I intended to watch until you mentioned it to me uh, because I like the uh, cast that's been in the Arrowverse so far, but just in general, I don't watch uh, Superman stuff. I, I loved Smallville when it was on, but I feel like that had more to do with the fact that it was, hey, we're going to show you why he's going to become Superman, and Lex is going to be in it. He's He's my favorite of the Superman characters. But uh, I didn't really know anything about this show until you mentioned it to me. And the thing that keeps uh, coming up when I'm reading this stuff is he's got kids, which is like a genuinely new thing to me. I mean, it seems like really simple, but up until very recently in the comics and in no other media I can think of, has it been, well, not only is he married, but he has like kids and whether or not they have superpowers and whether or not they're going to be involved in his life. They've just never done that before. So from the perspective of like a jaded middle-aged fan, I'm, I'm pretty excited just to see how they handle the new premise. Yes. And I will say, I think the, that family aspect and, and depicting him as a father, uh, I think that's what I'm most excited about seeing. And, you know, it seems like at least to some degree, right, they're taking some cues from the Peter Tomasi, Peter, uh, Superman rebirth uh, era, uh, you know, living on a farm, raising a family. I mean, in this case, there are two sons instead of one, and they're older than, uh, young John Kent was at the beginning of, of Superman Rebirth. Uh, but it seems to kind of be taking some cues from that. And, and that, I, that's the thing I'm most excited about. I have, it's funny, I have very conflicted feelings about this show. And I think, I think that's why I wanted to do this little episode. I think I was in need of a little, a little podcast therapy, if I'm being honest. Because, <laughs> so when they initially announced this, the, I had a couple of, of reservations. One was that you know, Tyler Hecklin's Superman, and I looked up a YouTube video on how to pronounce his name, and it is Hecklin. That's how he pronounces it. So I, I was a little bit mixed on his Superman. I didn't dislike him, and I've watched the Arrowverse. I've watched all of it, and so I saw his appearances on Supergirl and in the crossovers, and, you know, I don't think he's a bad Superman. I don't, I, you know, I don't have... My, my main misgiving was I felt he was a great supporting character, on Supergirl. And I didn't know if I really saw him leading a Superman series. Like I thought he worked great in the capacity in which they used him in Supergirl and in the crossovers, but he didn't necessarily to me feel like he had the presence of, of a Tom Welling, for example. <laughs> so that was kind of the first thing I was like, okay, like, you know, you know, not my favorite Superman, but I don't, you know, nothing like nothing major against him. I'm, you know, I'm willing to, you know, keep an open mind. The other thing was that as I said, I've watched all the Arrowverse stuff, 
all of it. Most like 90%, 95% of it. <laughs> and, you know, I've gotten to the point, like I'm just kind of burned out on it. I feel like there's a degree of sameness of the shows all kind of look alike. They, they follow a lot of the same patterns. You know, once you've watched a few seasons of Arrowverse shows, you know, you can kind of see where stuff is going. And I just thought of like, I don't know that I want to do more of this. Right. So those were my my initial two misgivings. Then they announced the premise and they started releasing the photos and the trailers in particular. And then my misgiving shifted a little bit. So <laughs> at that point, you know, when they announced that it was going to be set in Smallville, you might expect that as a huge as a like I as you know, and listeners know, I love Smallville. It's my favorite. You would think that I would be like, oh, this is great. Um, but I kind of felt like it was stepping on Smallville's toes a little bit. That was, that was kind of, I wasn't so excited about that. I felt like, Hey, my favorite show did 10 years in Smallville do something else. I want to see him in Metropolis. There was a little bit of that. And then the last thing I'll say, uh, like I said, I was worried that it would look and feel like the other CW shows. Then they released the trailer and it didn't look and feel like the other CW shows, but it did look and feel a good bit like Zack Snyder's man of steel. And now there you might say, hey, Desi, you love the Snyder movies. You must, you must be so happy that the show is taking some visual cues. But again, I just feel like do your own thing. I, you know, I, it, so it was like my misgivings kind of shifted and it was like, yeah, there's elements of Smallville and it kind of looks like the Man of Steel movie. But I, I just I feel like it's stepping on the toes of those things. So that's kind of those are the reservations that I have. But I want to keep an open mind. There's a lot that I think looks cool about it. But that's kind of where where I am right now. Do you, what what uh, I don't know. What 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 can you offer, sir? I I agree. Watching the trailer, uh, yeah, I was having PTSD from when I forced myself to sit through Batman versus Superman, and I just I can't stand the Snyder verse, for lack of a better term. Um, yes, one thing that I, I am excited about for the show, uh, now that I'm committed to it, is in Smallville, one of the best parts was John Kent, was, was John Schneider. So I am excited for Clark to slip into that role. You know, he's on the farm. He's trying to be uh, a little bit humble. He's trying to teach his kids humility. Presumably, at some point, it's a long-running show. They're going to show that they have powers. And I really want to see him enter that John Kent realm. Uh, and the main conflict will be, well, look at all the nonsense you got up to. Why are you trying to keep us here? And him trying to impart that wisdom as as he learned it. So that actually is something that I'm very interested in. Because, again, I, I feel like you don't see that parental dynamic very often. The, uh, the other reason that I'm in that Smallville frame of mind is I know you didn't care for it as much as I did, but the appearance of Tom Welling and Erica Durant in the Arrowverse when they reprised their characters... I thought was perfect, but more than that, it was them living on the farm in Smallville, referencing kids that they had. So that got me excited for this idea of Lois and Clark as adults raising a family on this farm and kind of repeating the cycle. So, yeah, from from that perspective, I'm I'm committed. You know, you and I are going to do a whole episode on that <laughs> four minute scene from Crisis, and. Uh, you know, if anything, though, the Superman and Lois thing, I just, it rubs more salt in the wound because it's like, yeah, they are living on the farm and they have kids. And guess what? He's still Superman. So, you know, I just feel like this further shows it's like, I, again, I just, well, I'll save it for when we do that episode. But that was one of the issues I had with that crisis appearance where it's like, you know, we've seen instances now in the comics and now in this new show where he can at least try to balance his home life and his 
and his life as a superhero. And, and uh, that was kind of the ending that I would have preferred for Tom Welling's version of the character. And I, you know, I'll elaborate when we, when we get to that episode. But uh, yeah, so there's that element that's kind of like, and that's not this show's fault, but um, it, it does make me think of that. Uh, as well but yeah like the whole the whole idea of him as a father and Lois as a mother too like the two of them as parents I mean I think is really cool uh, and so I really am excited for that I texted you about this uh, I cannot get over the fact because I real this was a surprise to me in the in the trailer I was not expecting this the fact that these two teenage kids don't know Clark the dad is Superman I yeah. and and you know look I want to keep an open mind I, I keep saying that because it's important I don't want to I don't want to prejudge this stuff too much but it uh the idea that these two kids wouldn't know their dad is Superman is is I feel like it's a huge stretch I, I mean I'm hoping that there's like watching it I'm hoping that it's like okay like it kind of makes sense how he was able to hide it but I mean what do you think about it I I was surprised but at the same time I kind of like it, and and here's why. I've always thought Superman's secret identity was stupid. It just was. I mean, it was created back in the 30s when not everyone was walking around with a camera, when Clark was mild-mannered, but it doesn't make any sense today. Um, and people have tried to explain it away in the comics, but it never really lands. So I kind of like the idea, the idea that whatever mechanism is keeping the world from knowing they're the same person applies to his kids. And on the same level, it again it allows his kids to be humble, because one of the one of the um, aspects about John Kent I really like is that he's always saying, "Listen, you are going to do great things, but it's very important to me you be a good person first and foremost." So I feel like Clark channeling that would say, "Well, listen, if I if the options on the table, let's try to give them as normal a life as possible. Let's raise them the way you know you and I would want to." We want our kids to be raised. And then when this nonsense finds them, and it's inevitable it's going to, we'll deal with it at that time. But let's not throw it at them to begin with. I, I don't know. That just felt like a very honest thing. Plus, just from a TV watching perspective, that's a great first episode. I mean, what, you know, if you if you think of the great pilots or the great first issues, it's like you need a hook. And it's like, well, that's a good hook. That is legitimately something I haven't seen before. Um, a closest comparison I would think of is, the uh, the comic Spider Girl from the '90s and the 2000s had a very similar premise, uh, where you know P Peter Parker's young daughter turns to be a teenager and suddenly she's like, well, of course I want to do this, and he's like, no, you're going to get yourself killed, and she's like, well, you know, I have to do what you did, and it's kind of the same thing here, where it's like, well, are they going to follow in their dad's footsteps? Are they going to go down a different path? Are they going to rebel in a way their dad didn't? And then what's he going to do? Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the comic and soon-to-be Netflix show Jupiter's Legacy, but it's a similar concept of a Superman-type character has kids. They turn out to be super-powered themselves. Shenanigans ensue. So as kind of a compare and contrast to that, I'm very excited. Yeah, I mean, your point is well taken, and I agree. I mean, I think they'll get a lot of great uh, drama and angst to play from that. Uh, again, in terms of the believability, I, you know, it, it, I, I'm having a hard time getting around that, but you know, we, we'll see. It's funny though, cause I've really been thinking, especially in the course of now doing I'm a good, good epi number of episodes into this podcast series. And I've really been thinking a lot about the dual identity. And I think this will probably be more like next year on the podcast, but I plan a like a multi-episode look at Clark and the secret identity because I don't know more and more it's. It, it feels cruel almost uh, in terms of this this ruse that 
uh, he perpetrates against like, some of the people or, or everyone, you know, uh, in his life, but especially someone like Lois, who he has these feelings for. And, you know, I think we can we can really draw a line between the, uh, you know, what we see in the comics and the movies versus the Smallville TV show, because there it wasn't it wasn't like he was pretending to be two people. He just had this part of himself that he was hiding. And, and I feel yeah. like that from an ethical standpoint was more understandable. But this whole idea of like trying to convince, and I, I'm not talking about the person he passes by on the street. It's like, no, of course, there are, there are certain reasons why you would want to maintain, you know, a, a separation there. But especially someone like Lois, someone he really cares for, uh, more and more, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's, uh, I don't know, it, it, it's kind of questionable, but interesting, very interesting. Um, but I will say this kind of as a counterpoint, and this is why I think it'll it'll really be fun to dive into this in the future, and I want to get your take on it. Uh, I just happened to, uh, I was uh, looking up old uh, clips from Lois and Clark on YouTube, and, uh, you know, the new adventures of Superman, and I came across uh, a scene from the season three premiere. This was where, uh, are you familiar with the show, or no? Uh, yeah, no, vaguely. I, I never sat down and watched it, but I know of it. Gotcha. So this was at the beginning of season three. Clark had proposed. He hadn't yet revealed his identity, but Lois had just figured it out. And and after he proposes, she calls him out on it. And then we have this scene later in the episode. And, you know, she's talking, you know, she's upset naturally. And, you know, Clark's counterpoint is like, I needed to know that you loved me and not the costume and the powers. And, and I, you know, I've seen Lois and Clark before, but it's been many years. And, and so rewatching that scene was actually kind of helpful because it's like, yeah, I mean, just thinking about the psychology of this guy, you probably would always have that fear, right? Like you would want to know that it, it, it was you who this person was truly interested in, not what you could do or, you know, this larger than life version of yourself. So I, I think there, there are some com competing forces there. Uh, and, and again, I look forward to delving into that, you know, even more so in the future. But yeah, the whole dual identity thing, whether it's Lois or in this case, the kids, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. That's one of the things that I always liked about Smallville is before Clark decides to hide his identity from the world in a very formal way, he's basically living his life with Lois. And she's a big help to that. Uh, not only... Does she help craft the identity, what little we see of it? But, you know, she, she's his human anchor. She's the one who tells him, listen, this is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't be doing. And if you're doubting yourself, let's talk through it because uh, I'm fearless in all the ways maybe you are not. Uh, but I actually didn't know that about Lois and Clark. Uh, it, it just reminds me of, of like the original archetype. You know, it's, it's your classic love triangle. It's, you know, Clark is staring at Lois. Lois is staring at Superman. Superman is pretending to be Clark. And the comic book creators and the, the people who have adapted this nonsense have gotten great mileage out of that. I mean, decades and decades and decades of stick to this dynamic. This is a fundamental, beautiful dynamic. But, uh, yeah, I can't stand it because to me it's just like, well, you are pretending to be this guy. You're You're pretending to be this, like, awful parody of what you think a normal human being is and you know unlike say peter parker or billy batson or even bruce wayne it's like well that's not really who you are like you were this completely different person on the farm before you realized you were so different and you wanted to kind of build this wall um i have a i have this recurring argument with many of my friends that I actually don't like the comic All-Star Superman as much as everyone else does, which is, it's a very famous 
uh, Superman comic by Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly. I think it's great, don't get me wrong, but it really doubles down on this idea of like Clark being separate from Superman, what that means and what's that mean, what that means to his relationship with Lois. And I'm with you, I just, I find it creepy. Yeah, no, for sure. I, you know, uh, and I, it's funny. So I will be covering All-Star Superman in the future. I haven't read it in, in quite a few years now, and I'm curious to revisit it generally, but also through that lens. But, you know, going back to Smallville, that is one of the things that, this is a lot about Smallville that I love, as you know, but that is one of the things, the fact that Lois was there for the creation of the dual identity. And I know you're not a fan of Zack Snyder, but that's something else that I really like about Man of Steel, that like Lois is there from the beginning. And cause she's the one person, you know, it's one thing if he disguises his identity from Perry or even Jimmy, it's like, well, all right, you know, they're friends and colleagues, but all right. But Lois, like Lois is the one that it's kind of hard to forgive that, especially now, and I think my perspective has changed, and maybe your, yours has as well. Like, we're you and I are both married, right? And, you know, in these long term relationships. And I think, you know, maybe as a kid reading this stuff, you don't really think about it so much, but it's like now sharing a life with, with my wife, it's like, yeah, that, that would be really messed up. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but, but anyway, I know I've, we've kind of I've taken us down this little bit of a tangent here, but sir, but what I, I will say in, in the Snyder trilogy, I guess it's a trilogy. The Lois Lane is my favorite character. I, I don't really care for that version of, of Superman or Clark or what have you. And we're only now now finding out that General Swanwick actually is the Martian Manhunter. But I always thought his Lois was great. You know, I, I think one of the great things about many of the Superman adaptions from uh, the Donner films to the animated series to Smallville to even the Snyder films is you have to have a good Lois because Lois is so important to that relationship. You know, she is... In many ways, if you're not going to use Jimmy Olsen, she is the, the viewer's way into the story because you and I can't fly to the sun, but we can stare in awe at this nonsense. So I thought Snyder's version of Lois Lane was great. I really wouldn't change a thing about her. Her her time as a reporter, the way she challenges Clark, the way she comforts Clark, the way she develops a relationship with Martha. I, I actually thought it was great. I, I have a lot of complaints about those movies. She's not one of them. All right. At least we can agree on that. Uh, but, you know, so bringing us back to Superman and Lois and kind of on that note, I love that Lois has, you know, top billing right there with Superman, like she's in the title. And and I mean, the, just from the trailers, uh, I mean, it really seems like they're positioning them as as a team. Uh, and I love that. And, um, it, you know, so I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, to see that relationship and to see the two, both of them as parents. I think that'll be cool. Were you were you an entourage viewer? No, no I missed that. I, I saw the. Aquaman clip way back <laughs> when, when it was a fake movie. Right. And I got very excited because I thought they were making an Aquaman movie, but no, I, I've never actually seen Entourage. Gotcha. All right. So I did watch Entourage all the way through and uh, the character E, his love interest in that show, uh, the actress who played her is the actress who plays Lana Lang uh, in okay. this. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited for a new version of Lana. Uh, again, big shoes to fill. I think that's one of the other things with, you know, this show. I mean, for to see any new Lois and Clark on television, but especially one set in Smallville. I mean, if, like it's, of course, I'm going to think of Tom Welling and Erica Durant, and now in this case, Kristen Kruk. And it's like, those versions are so deeply ingrained uh, in me. It, you know, it, it'll, it'll take a minute to kind of get used to that. But, uh, but I'm excited to have a new version of Lana, and, uh, and I really did like her on Entourage. So, uh, you know, we'll see what they do with her. I, my hope is that, you know, we don't, I mean, it's a CW show, so I don't know. <laughs> we don't get like, uh, you know, 
really a love triangle, right? I mean, I think she represents something, you know, his past and that first love. And I hope that's really the, you know, the angle that they kind of take with it and not, uh, you know, not that she's still pining for him or stuff like that. I, I, I hope they, they can go in a more nuanced direction with her. Yeah, I mean, Lana's a weird one because, I mean, she and Pete Ross were created originally because they wanted to do a Superboy story and the character hadn't yet met Lois and Jimmy. So they're really just palette swaps. But I agree with you. I mean, I think on Smallville, that character really took on a life of her own. And while I think Erica Durant's as Lois is perfect, um, Krook is definitely the first person that pops in my head when someone says Lana Long. So I'll be very interested to see how this show uh, uh, does all their relationships, be it friendships or something more. And, you know, it's really, it's interesting to me because uh, in a lot of the articles, because now uh, uh, critics and reviewers have have been able to screen the pilot. And so we've gotten some reviews on YouTube and in articles and stuff. And and I've noticed in a number of places, it's been likened to Friday Night Lights and Everwood, two of my all-time favorite shows. And, you know, (laughs) Greg Berlanti, right, the Uber producer, like this guy does everything, including Superman and Lois and all the other CW Arrowverse shows and everything. Uh, But Everwood was one of his first, and I think it was actually the the first show of his own that he he got on the air. Uh, And it ran four seasons on the WB. And it's one of my favorites, such a heartfelt show about life in a small town. Uh, And then, you know, Friday Night Lights is also one of my other all-time favorites. So if... If this show kind of hits on some of those notes and themes and, and kind of has a similar tone, I'll, I'll be a happy viewer. Were you fans of, of either of those? I don't know anything about either of those shows. Sorry. You know, would I, would I necessarily say, I, I don't know if, I don't know if ever would, would necessarily be your, your cup of tea, but Friday Night Lights, and I, you're not a sports guy, right? No, no, no. That's the thing. I'm not, as you know, I'm not either. And I love, I mean, so good. It's, oh man, it's, all right. I, that's a different podcast. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, if it if it's kind of anything like that, I'll be excited. And, you know, a lot of the reviews and articles are talking about the, you know, really the the themes about, uh, you know, life in a small town and, and, and all of that. Um, and sort of, you know, Lois and Clark themselves being torn between, you know, leaving their home in Metropolis and their jobs in Metropolis and returning home to the farm. So, I mean, I think there's some interesting stuff for them to play. You know, I, I, I'm, I am optimistic. Yeah, same. I, I, I think that there's a lot of meat to go with. I, I think one of the, I won't say problems, but one of the fears for me with these Arrowverse shows is you run out of content very quickly. Um, I, I don't think The Flash was meant to have seven seasons. He just doesn't have that much content for the type of stories they tell. And he's one of the luckier ones. I mean, I, I haven't seen all of Batwoman or Black Lightning, but I don't know that they have very well-developed rogues galleries. You're probably not going to have that problem with Superman. So it, it's funny to see that after all these years, it's like, okay, now you're doing a show about one of the people who's also in movies. It's like, you have a lot of stuff to mine from. And if you can do it in a way that's uh, organic and lends itself to the story you're trying to tell, yeah, I, I don't think you'll be short on on stuff to actually do with them. So I, this could be another long-running show if they do it right. You know, and and if it's like any of the other CW shows, I mean, but Legends of Tomorrow just got renewed for season seven. And Very I love, I love Legends, that. but, you know, I, I, I guess my point is the... The bar for renewal at the CW is seems to be a modest one. I think, you know, I think there's a, you know, a decent bar that it needs to hit. And, you know, I know they look at social media engagement and their app and like, you know, all that stuff. But, uh, you know, because Legends of Tomorrow certainly does not do 
gangbuster ratings. Yet it keeps coming back and they renew their stuff early. Uh, so yeah, I mean, unless this thing bombs, which I would be shocked, you know, I, I think we'll, I, I mean, I would be surprised if it didn't have a similarly long run. I mean, I don't disagree with anything you said, but just as a counterpoint, and I know this is something that fans have raised and I, there might be something to it. Although seeing the trailer and seeing that it really looks to be its own thing, maybe this won't be as much of an issue, but you know, Supergirl is going into its sixth and final season, right? So six years of a show really, yeah, I mean, they're all in the Arrowverse, but it's particularly within the realm of Superman and they've used a lot of Superman villains uh, and, and, you know, some of the classic storylines and themes in Supergirl already. So that is somewhat of a concern, but, you know, I, I don't know. I think they'll still be able to chart their own path. Yeah, again, I, I think with Supergirl it was you know, we're going to have her be a lot like Superman because that's the type of story we want to tell. She's going to have uh, a civilian life as a reporter or whatever she did. She's going to have all these superhero friends. She's going to fight supervillains. I mean, fine, whatever. But if anything, this new Superman show with its new paradigm of dealing with the parenthood will allow you to take whatever they've used or haven't used and put it through that new lens. So I I think it's really interesting because, like I said, I, I think if you've already gotten through most of the big plot points like they're already married everyone knows who he is they have moved back he's had his great adventures you know if anything this is the whatever happened to the man of tomorrow we're finally getting that answer right whatever happened to the man of tomorrow well he's got a new show and he moved back to the farm and he's not he's got not just one kid but two kids so this is the next story so again i i I think it's exciting i mean superman's one of the few characters where it's like you know, he's been adapted so many times that we actually have to we have to come up with a new gimmick. So it's like, yeah, please, I, I would love for you to actually do something original with that character. Yeah. No, I think there's a lot there's a lot here to be excited about. I, I look forward to watching that series premiere. I look forward to talking about it with you. Is there anything else about the the trailers or anything else that, that really stood out to you that you wanted to mention? The only thing that jumped out at me is you you mentioned uh, Zack Snyder before, and I, I think that influence is definitely there, certainly with some of the visuals when, when he appears to be using his powers. But honestly, the last um, year or so, the, the number one Superman archetype that keeps popping out at me is Homelander. I feel like most people who consume this stuff like you and I do, it's like when you say Superman or you describe that archetype, you you have this character of Homelander from The Boys, who's a, an, an avowed Superman knockoff. So part of me was thinking that too. It's like, well, if most people watching this are thinking, well, I know this guy and he can get up to some pretty bad stuff in that other show. It's like, do you, do you acknowledge that? Do you try to say, well, there's a reason that Superman wouldn't do that stuff and you have to come up with an evil version. It's just, uh, I don't know. I feel like he is, he is that, I won't say that character done right because that doesn't make any sense, but like he's an evil version of that character that was very successful and that clearly struck a chord. So it's like, okay, here you go. Here's that hopeful, loving, incredibly caring Superman. Can we make him just as interesting to people watching TV? Yeah, that's an interesting point. And I, yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely something to keep in mind, right? Especially given how popular The Boys is. And you're right. I mean, I think for a lot of people, um, you know, even just in terms of, of the imagery and the way they might expect the the powers and the costume to sort of come off on screen. The last yeah. thing I'll say, and this goes towards my therapy here, is because uh, I've been very self-reflective about it. I've really been trying to be self-reflective about this because I, I had to check myself. I got to this point where I was like, 
you know, you want the show to do well, right? Like you want, you like, you want a successful, successful Superman show. And it's like, yes, of course I do. I am. One thing that I'm a little wary of is because you, and we've touched on this in this episode. I love the Snyder stuff. I know, you know, you don't, and I know people are very mixed on it. And I guess, you know, I, I can see it now, right? Where this comes out and, and hopefully it's good and it's well-received. And then I can, you know, I see it now, whether it's articles or just friends of ours posting on Facebook, this is the Superman we've been waiting for. Oh, Superman's finally hopeful again. I, that's the thing that I'm a little bit like, ugh. but you know, I, again, it's, it, I, I want the show to do well. I'm excited for it. I hope I enjoy it. But yeah, there is a little bit of, there is a little bit of that. I just think it's important to remember that, that, you know, you lucked out in enjoying a character who can be interpreted many different ways. And it's foolish to say that there's only one. Some people are going to say that the version of Superman that Zack Snyder brought to screen is the one that finally connected with them. I mean, I've gone through this with, with other characters. It's like sometimes you just have to be in the right place in a more violent or more topical version of the character, but definitely hit home for you. And it's the same thing here. Some people really like those movies. Great. They're not hurting anyone. I mean, he is hurting people, but you know, the fans aren't. And if, if you and I like the more hopeful ones, or if you and I specifically want to go on and on about the show that hasn't been on the air in 10 years, it's like, they're all the same character and the character is so popular and so successful that our kids are going to have a version of him or her. Or they, that doesn't resemble anything that you and I like about the character. So I think that's more to its strength. I say, have, have a hundred different versions of the character. Let everyone find what they like the best about them. Well said. All right, man, listen, I appreciate you jumping on and doing this uh, this mini episode with me. Uh, we'll be back for the March 3rd episode of Digging for Kryptonite, and we'll have a full discussion of the series premiere of Superman and Lois. Until then, remember, it's about what you do. It's about action. <laughs>